Think you need to compromise who you are to advance your career as a black or brown woman? Think again. Because there's a playbook for corporate America and those aren't the rules. But you won't find it in college or on the job. I know, because I learned the hard way. And now I'm here to show you how the game is played. Hi, I'm Linda Talaferro, the Vice President of Quality at a global technology company and founder of The Tea, The Extra Effort, where I help black and brown women like you change the trajectory of their career with one-on-one coaching, workshops, and this podcast, Being Brown at Work. If you want to know how black and brown women are navigating everything from microaggressions to being the only person of color in the room so they can blaze their trail through corporate America, listen now. Greetings, 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 everyone. It is, yes, that time of the week, my favorite time. And it's your girl, Linda Talaferro from the T The Extra Effort. And this is Being Brown at Work Life. This is Being Brown at Work Life, favorite time of the week. What I wanted to talk about in this episode is something that I've got constant uh, messages, DMs, questions, Uh, It tends to rise pretty high when it's on a survey, and that's how to advocate for a raise. Advocacy, I would say, is a struggle for a lot of people, right? But most importantly, it seems to be a challenge for women, and I would offer even more so for Black and brown women. Uh, Self-advocacy. I mean, we have a lot of issues that arise when we know that's what we should be doing. And it's a mindset. It's truly a mindset shift that needs to take place in order to be strong with self-advocacy. And I actually, you know, this is like a a precursor to a guest that I have scheduled in September, and we're going to focus specifically on self-advocacy then. So stay tuned uh, and see when that is posted so you'll know which date she'll be coming on to talk about it. But you've got to have that self-confidence, that belief, that know that you know worth about yourself in order to do probably what some of the major self-advocacy is, and that is for a race. Because that's, you know, talking about money, a lot of times for people is taboo. You know, it's something they stray away from. They believe, okay, well, the company knows best. They told me the salary range and, you know, I'm in that salary range. And every year we get the 3% or what 2%, whatever that merit increase is. Okay, that's, you know, that's it. I mean, that's the way it goes. Well, I want to share with you in this episode, that's not necessarily the way it has to go for you consistently. So first and foremost, if you're listening live or catching on the replay and you're in the midst of negotiating for a new salary because you're making a pivot, I highly recommend that you reach out to one of my friends. She was a guest several months ago, Claudia Miller. She's killer when it comes to negotiating those salaries walking in the door. She has a killer methodology. Highly recommend you reach out to her, Claudia Miller. And she's website, Claudia T. Miller. So that's your position right now. You're about to go in and you're getting a new job and you're want, you want to negotiate, reach out to your girl. She will give you the tools to get that killer salary walking in the door. What I want to share with you on this episode is that you're in your role. 
and you have been performing, you've been hitting home runs, you've been getting consistent, consistently good performance reviews, and you know that you're worth more than that two to three percent that tends to come with merit increases. And I want to tell you how I successfully advocated for, negotiated, and got more than that in a raise. Because what I want you to know, first of all, is that it's possible. It is possible. Don't let anyone tell you, oh, no, you know what? Um, 2%, 3%, that's our stamp. Do not let someone tell you that. Of course, yes, every company has every year at the performance review time, the standard raises to come out. But I am a witness. I, I am here to tell you what is possible because the funds are there. They've been accrued for. What happens is nine times out of 10, we don't go for them. We sit back and allow our attributes, our wins, how we've moved the needle to just be that. And to not be rewarded for it. And a lot of times it's our, we are in our own way. You know, we've decided that we're going to settle. Now, what I'm about to share with you, is this something you can do every year? Absolutely not. Okay. So let's not, I want to make that clear. You're not going to get what I'm about to share with you every year. But this is why what I'm going to share with you has to be strategic in nature and the fact that you need to know that it's possible if it's timed appropriately and done appropriately. So let's start with this. Every company has a culture. Every company does. Things get done in a certain way at every company, and not every company is the same. They are different. The politics and the culture, and I say politics is just the way things get done. Okay, that is how I view workplace politics. People tend to tilt it negative. Sure, you got those individuals that decide they're going to make it nasty and negative. But nine times out of 10, workplace politics is just the way things get done. And there's a culture that's centered around that. So, first and foremost, you need to know your company's culture. How do things get done? Are they done in committee, right? Is there a group of people that meet at the CEO level or at the senior leadership level and they make decisions that are then rolled out to the company? Is it done in committee? Is it done through relationships? Is that what is pretty prevalent? And you can kind of tell that relationships really weigh pretty heavy. Is it solely on metrics. Hitting those metrics, that's all that matters. Doesn't matter what relationships you have. Doesn't matter your leadership skills. Doesn't No committee, metrics, metrics, metrics. Or is it a combination of all three? And I just gave you three. There could be others, right? Or could it be a combination of all three? With some weighing heavier than the others. It's extremely important. This is why I often talk about relationships because the best way to really get your hands around workplace politics, how things get done, and a company culture is through your relationships. That has been invaluable for me 
in every role I've had in, in my career, every single one, is getting to know people, building relationships, especially with your tenured people, you know, 15, 20, 25 years, 30 years, and establishing a level of comfort such that they share with you how things get done. And then doing that with several individuals. And then also maybe not so tenured people, because some of them may have been successful in moving the needle as well. Relationships are everything. And I know if you followed me, listen to me, you've heard me say it. <laughs> You're probably tired of me saying it. I will keep saying it because it is so critically important. So understanding the company culture, how do things get done? Workplace politics, number one, that is foundational to you being able to successfully advocate for a raise. So I'm going to use myself as an example, okay, and tell you exactly how I did it each step of the way. I started with understanding the culture. I spent an inordinate amount of time, I mean, it was a lot of time building relationships. My first year, in this particular role, I spent the first eight months, that's all I did, predominantly. I mean, I did other work, obviously, but I spent time for people getting to know me, building relationships. Then I realized as the year or two went by that the organization was all three of what I mentioned to you in the beginning. It was committee-based, relationships were everything, so who knew you, who was comfortable with you, who would say, you know what, I like Linda, I've worked with her, I've met with her, I know her myself, for myself, like her, everything. And of course, metrics, being able to show from a data perspective, the impact that one had. That was important at the particular company that I was successful with. All three of those things were important. So what I did was first and foremost, made sure that I had measurable, I mean, significant needle moving impact. Significant. I was even in a, in a all employee meeting one time when one of my colleagues, there was some data that was being showed for our performance. And one of my colleagues, it was a senior leadership, actually was an offsite. And he came up to me at the break and he said to me, man, Linda, it was clear on that graph before Linda, after Linda. And when he said that, I was like, whoa. He said before Linda, after Linda. And then several people made similar comments, right? And I thought, okay, needle moving impact that I could use later on, and I'll tell you what, what happened later on, but needle moving impact in the metrics that made the difference for the company, where they were struggling, where their pain points were, things that hadn't happened before were happening. That's what you want to make sure you nail down, right? That's what you want to make sure you nail down. I've often said everybody's good at their job, but you want to have needle moving impact, significant change that people can identify you were the driving factor. I even had the CEO visit a site one time and he said to me after the presentation, I can see you in that. So that's the first thing, right? Secondly, well, first I mentioned workplace politics, understanding how things get done, 
building relationships, knowing the culture. So you understand how to get something done. In my situation, I understood that I needed metrics, needle moving impact. I needed relationships and I needed committee. That happened to be the company I was at. So I measured, I did that needle moving impact. The next thing I did was relationships. So when I was ready to go and ask for the raise, the raise above and beyond the standard two to three, maybe some companies give 5%, right? So I'll say range of two to 5%. I'm going for the above and beyond. So I started having conversations within my network. The network that I knew my boss would probably talk to as well, because remember, I told you the company I was at at the time, it was committee, it was relationships, it was metrics, right? So I knew that he wasn't going to make the decision on his own because that's not the culture of the company. He has input, obviously, final say, but he's going to go talk to other people. I went and talked to those other people first right? Got their input, shared my data, shared what I thought, what I truly thought, believed I was worth and said, hey, you know, would you support this if you were asked, right? Did that with key individuals. Then I went to my boss and here's the key. And Claudia Miller said it in our episode, knowing your value and your worth and knowing what the market offers. So I did my research to understand what was the gap. Is it just salary or are there other things that should be increased in addition to that? Now, this, I will tell you, was five years in to my role. Now, keep in mind, merit increases had happened along the way because my performance reviews were good, very good. So the two, the three to five percent was happening along the way. Five years in is when I decided I am worth what the market is offering. And here's all my evidence as to why. So I went and met with my boss. And when I walked into the door, it wasn't the conversation oh, well, I think, oh, I'm not sure. Oh, here's the range. What do you think? No, I shared the data. I said, hey, you know, I scheduled this. I wanted to talk about raises. I know it's that time of year and I'd like to share with you uh, my request. And then I gave him the evidence and then I was very, very specific. I was specific in the salary increase. I was specific in the bonus change. And I was specific in LTIP or the long-term incentive plan that came with my role, which was the stock part of the role. All three of those, I was very specific in. His response to me was, well, you know, Linda, thank you for this. Uh, You know, I can see, you know, uh, why you would make this request. Uh, You know, I'm going to have to talk to several people. And he mentioned their names and actually two of the three people I had already talked to. And I said, you know, I've already talked to him. I've talked to him. I've talked to him. And he sat back in his chair and he said, of course you have, because he knew me, right? As my boss, I'd been there five years. He knew what type of individual. He said, of course you have. Of course you've had those conversations. He said, well, you know, I'm going to have the same ones and I've got to talk to several other people and I'll come back to you. He did that. I think maybe two, three weeks went by. He came back and I got two of the three requests. 
And the L-tip piece was the only one that didn't shift because it had already been, you know, the board had already decided and it was in the three-year cycle. And I, you know, I got all of that. I was actually looking for the next cycle, but I was like, okay, salary was exactly what I asked for. Short, uh, the bonus structure up another 5%, went from 30 to 35%, exactly what I asked for. And the raise was above, uh, it was around 10% or so. So it was double even the maximum range. It was specifically what I asked for. So I'm telling you, if you do those three things that I talked about, first, making sure that you completely understand your company culture and the workplace politics, how things get done. Remember, that's what workplace politics is, how things get done. You can have the same success within your role, within your wherever you are today in your career as well, as well, the exact same success. But it starts with, it's rooted in your confidence and your ability to self-advocate. And there's so much tied to the fact that we don't do it, fear and you know, other things that that level on top of us and stop us from self-advocating. And we become our own worst enemies. I shouldn't say worse because we have systemic things we have to deal with as well. And we just add to that when we are telling ourselves why we shouldn't do something or we're letting fear, false evidence appearing real take precedence. Right? So Listen to this on replay. Take those notes down. If you are still not clear, though, and you're like, Liddell, okay, I hear you. I got the notes, but I'm still not clear and would would love to share with me your company dynamic. Send me a message. Send me a DM. Send me an email. Let's get on a call. And so we could talk about your company dynamic and see how we can massage this such that it fits that. But I'm telling you, it's going to be a light massage because fundamentally it works, but it starts with the belief and the self-advocacy, the mindset. It starts with that. September 20th, this is like an early blur. I told you, guests are going to start coming back in September and I'm so excited. September 20th, we're going to be talking about the challenges around self-advocacy. You want to definitely join. I hope you join me for every Being Brown at Work Live. Absolutely. But you definitely want to join me then if you're struggling with self-advocacy at all. Because we're on, I've got a great guest, lovely person. It's in the same space I'm in. And she had some struggles in the financial sector, service sector. And that's what we're going to talk about and help you get over that hump because you deserve the 10% like I got. You deserve the increase in bonus. Absolutely. Because you, I'm sure you've had needle moving impact. Sure you have. And you don't leave that sitting on the table. You know, we have not because we ask not. Right. So I want to give you the tools, the strength, the ability, the belief to go and ask for what you truly deserve which you absolutely, truly deserve. So that's it for this session. Um, You know, it's, to me, this is such an important topic, just like it was when I had Cassandra Rose on and talk about generational wealth. And, you know, because we, as black and brown people, we just tend not to talk about money. We just, we stay away from it for whatever reason. 
you know? And so I want to make sure that we don't, we stop that, we kill that, right? And that we do what's necessary to make sure we we build a legacy for our families, that, you know, that the careers that we've been working hard for, that we are being we are being justly rewarded for the hard work, right? Which is why this was so important for me to do this session. And I thank those of you who sent me the questions and sent me the messages and answered the surveys and said, hey, I need more around this. So so important for me to do this session. And I'm hoping that you got some nuggets out of it. And like I said, if you need a little bit more deeper context, you need deeper uh, peel back of the onion and help, send me an email, send me a message. I would love to get on a call with you and help you work through that. So until next time. If you found this podcast empowering and are ready to master the skill that can take you anywhere, get my free guide, Workplace Confidence, in the resources section of this episode.